nigga live right now, man. It's going down, excited for the season. You know, we coming off a playoff win. I mean, you know, we had a couple wins. Winning game four, at least pride-wise, made me feel good because you don't ever want to get swept. I'm indifferent to him, whether or not he signs it. I'll be uh, hitting Milwaukee for the next five years. If you ask me, can the Bucks win game five? I put it at 40% confidence, yes. To think that, that a season is championship or bust is is um, certainly not the way we've approached it. At this point, we don't know what's going to happen. You can get game six. You can steal it. Championship or bust. Winning game six and seven. Championship or bust. I don't think they're going to win the whole series, but... There is no enjoyment with this team. Hello and welcome to the Brew Hoop Podcast, episode 91. I'm Adam Paris, co-managing editor of BrewHoop.com, joined as per usual by Kyle Carr and Riley Feldman uh, on the eve, or not the eve, I guess the evening of of Drew Holiday's contract extension news. We've reconvened. We've had enjoyed our Easter's. How, how was your day, gentlemen? It was good. It was. It's a beautiful 80 degrees up here in Minneapolis, St. Paul. Shout out to Global Warming. Uh, you're gonna you're gonna kill us all eventually, but for right now, today, one day only, I'm a fan of you. So thank you, global warming. Uh, I got out for a run; it was nice. Um, we had brunch with our uh, neighbors from upstairs. Um, that was really nice as well. So we kind of been just hanging out. It's been a pretty good Easter for us. Yes, I guess. Shout out global warming as well for the nice sunny <laughs> weather down in Madison. Um, got to do some yard work. Um, got a few house project projects done. Emma's parents came by, which is always nice to see them. They got to hang out with the child, and it was it was a good day. And I think I feel I'm feeling good. I'm feeling good. One man who's probably feeling significantly better than all of us probably doesn't need to shout out global warming tonight. He's got enough cash to do whatever <laughs> he wants. But True Holiday was announced. It seemed sort of inevitable, uh, but it also feels like a nice weight off all of our backs. But the the contract is a a four year, hundred thirty five million dollar extension with unlikely bonuses that could take the deal up to $160 million. There's a player option on the last year, sort of the Horst, uh, the Horst special there, as seems to be his, his case with almost every contract he's signing with players now. But big news, gentlemen. Obviously, it's something that I think we were expecting, but still really nice to see Holiday get locked in, and now we're really settled into a core of Holiday, Middleton, and Giannis for a few years uh, what was your first thoughts, impressions when the news came across the wire, Kyle? Wow, that reckless trade really um, paid through. Such a reckless trade, the most reckless trade in the history of the NBA, I was told. But no, it's good to see Drew get that extension. It did feel kind of like a the Bucks were going to do whatever it takes and make it happen anyway. That wasn't going to be a question. It was just going to be a matter of will Drew take it or not. And I'm glad he did. And as, especially in last night's game against the Sacramento Kings. He's so instrumental to this team, team success and team's future. He raises the floor of the team, but he also raises the ceiling of what this Bucks team can do. The fact that the last few months he's played probably his best basketball for the Milwaukee Bucks after getting, after getting COVID-19 is even more impressive. So it was just good to see. I don't care about the dollar amount. It is what it is. You made you were already going all in with Drew Holiday when you made the initial trade in the first place. So to give him an extension like this, it's just confirming what we all knew. You were going to make the move. You wanted to get the guy. You got the guy. You did what you need to do. Good job, John Horse, for at least building a roster that shows this team can compete. Good for Drew. He's a good-ass dude. 
I think everyone could agree with that. He's a great two-way player. I don't know. I feel like there's not anything you can really be super negative on. And if you are negative, then you either just want to be miserable or you haven't been paying attention to what Drew Holiday's done for this Bucks team this season. My first thought was this is the kind of like contract extension. These are the kinds of players you get when you have a player, the type of Giannis Antetokounmpo uh, leading your franchise. Um, we, I don't know how over the past, like three or four years, the number of guys that now it's Giannis, Chris, Andrew, all these guys sign these big contracts. And I mean, to be fair to them, we're paying them a lot of money. So there is that aspect. It, it's not like they're like, I chose Milwaukee over LA because I just love Milwaukee. You know, I'm sure they do like the franchise. They do like the city. We are paying a lot of money, but um, what matters most is there. I think it's been embodied. This extension embodies the change in the culture, at least driven by the fact that Giannis is there and his presence alone makes us a contender. And so a guy like Drew comes along and yes, we're giving him as much money as possible, but he could have, I'm sure he would have had plenty of suitors in the off season if he, if he felt like I just want to go somewhere else, this isn't the right situation for me. So um, I, I don't think it's necessarily like, you know, he would have gotten way less money elsewhere. Had he gone somewhere else, I think he would have had a market. Um, but yeah, I, I just think it, it's funny because I'm not sure how many times I had heard prior to Giannis coming along guys saying I'm a buck for life. And now we've had three guys. I think the last one was like Larry Sanders and then it blew up like five seconds later. So, you know, we're, we're at a different level of buck for lifedom. Um, and, and the, the other thing I want to also point out is, um, as Kyle said, it's great that he's coming back, that we've got him locked in. The thing about everybody, and there has been a lot of chatter from outside um, the team, and also some people are like, oh, we still paid a lot of money for this guy. I think it's hard for me at this point to envision what does a better lead guard look like alongside Giannis in particular. And you have your like Dame Lillard types who are just like, you know, have crazy, like Steph Curry, crazy range, good facilitators, things like that. But with what our possibility, our range of possibilities are, unless you like find some dude in the draft and then develop along, our options for a replacement and an upgrade at point guard are so super limited. And so between those factors, um, I wasn't surprised that they gave him the money. It makes total sense. I'm glad he's staying. I think uh, it, really the bet is, can you get one title out of this? Out of the, This is the same for... Chris's contract, this is the same for Drew's contract. Giannis is a little different because he's the franchise. But with those two guys, the, the payoff is who cares about the money? If you get one title out of it, it's all worth it. And that's a lot of pressure on those coming years. But I think all three of those guys, their timelines are now aligned. And hopefully, um, you know, we'll be able to figure out how to build around them. But that, that's the gamble here. And I think it's a worthy gamble with the guys they've uh, chosen to work it with. Well, you even said if you get one title. We were saying that when they made the trade. If you get a title this year, then it doesn't matter what happens after the trade, whether Giannis leaves, Andrew leaves. If you win that title, it's fine. It's kind of now you at least extend that timeline of if you win a title, all of these moves, no one will, no one should complain about. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. I mean, no one's going to care that. If they win a title, no one's going to care that Pat Connaughton got a little more money than he should have, and they screwed up that. Well, some people might still care about that transaction, but the you know the main thing with Drew Holiday, the interesting thing about the the timing of this was it, apparently he was extension eligible, I think February twenty sixth or something, and so it's been about a month or so, and I don't think there was really any drama. I mean, I don't think you make that trade that they did without 
tampering to heck with his agent and making sure that he's probably going to agree to the contract. But it is kind of a nice timing for this to come apart, come come about with Holiday clearly playing some of his best balls, showing his seeming willingness to take a little more aggression on the offensive end, not just when Giannis is out, but when Giannis is in too. And I mean, the thing I like about this, but Drew in particular is he, he's not a Westbrook type lead guard. He's not one of these guards where he, cause he is 30. So he's going to be, you know, 34 by the end of this contract, but there's so little about his game that I find to be a, you know, something that's dynamic athletically. Like he has, he's incredibly shifty defensively, but it's mostly mirroring players. It's not exactly recovering for crazy blocks or anything like that. That's what Giannis is for. And even his finishing in the paint, Riley, I mean, he's he's been doing this all the time. He just kind of seems to bully people, get his way in down low, and then to have the patience to be able to finish those shots that it felt like in the past, like Eric Bledsoe would be a runner that we would just hope might rattle in. Yeah, I, I tweeted earlier today, this is where we get to plug ourselves. So I tweeted earlier that like, if you watch any sort of Drew, or Drew Bledsoe, I think... <laughs> I fell into that trap. If you watch any Drew Holiday offensive highlight package, he moves like he's moving at two miles an hour. He literally like walks into shots. He'll like kind of walk into a defender and be like, okay, I'm just going to like knock you over or like just do a step back jumper. And there's nothing a defender can do about it. You could like try and swarm them, but because you have like Chris and Giannis and the other guys, that's not a viable strategy. I, I your point about the athleticism, that's always the concern with these sort of contracts. Because once these guys become eligible for this size of a contract, in theory, they're starting to get past their prime. It's like, well, how big is the drop-off going to be? You know, Is he going to be worth $40 million some odd dollars by the fourth year? Probably not. But he's. it's not going to be a situation where it's like, here today, athleticism, whatever his impact is, gone tomorrow. I really don't see that happening because it's not a game predicated on speed. The strength is not going to go away. That's going to be one of the things that goes last. And like you said, it's not like Eric Blitz. We always pick on, it feels like we always pick on Eric, but he was the guy who came before. He was the guy that everything ran through. Like there were so many times on offense where it's like, he he's really good getting to the basket, but it was a lot of rush, a lot of physicality, like just point of attack type of stuff. And that worked over the course of 82 games. But once you get to a series where things slow down and things, you don't have as many opportunities against bad defenses or defenses that are sort of lackadaisical to take advantage. And that's where a guy like Drew, where it's so poised, so in control, that's the difference. And so I don't see that dropping off next year. I don't see that dropping off the year after that. And it might even get even better as he becomes more comfortable, especially playing off of the two-star guys he's with. Because right now he's still the third banana, even if he's taking a step forward in aggression. He's still the new guy. And over time, he'll be able to ingratiate himself and figure out what are my spots and how can I best impact the team. Yeah, it's been... Even just the last, like we said, the last couple games where he's been allowed to shine, the two, the two of the recent games where Giannis has been out and, and Drew really takes over was was def- definitely the Kings game and then the Pacers game as well. That was just a clear demonstration of him being able to do whatever he wanted. The interesting thing about this is it is, I, I mean, I, you know, I, Drew Holiday has been awesome, exceeded any expectations I had for him this year. But it is, there wasn't really, a, you know, the Bucks were definitely going to have to do this given what they gave up for him. But it is another example of a couple years ago when they did do the extension for Eric Bledsoe. It was before the playoffs. It was before they really had to had a chance to go through it. So I, I'm not saying there's any 
you know, there's definitely a little bit of risk, but the Bucks basically had to do this. But there is still just a little bit of, okay, well, it is before he's gotten any chance to prove himself in the playoffs, though, too. Kyle, can you do – do you have some wood to knock on over there, Kyle, please, on behalf of Adam? I, I'll, I'll take care of my desk right now. Okay, Otherwise, great. I'll go up to the kitchen. <laughs> um, it is a fair thing to wonder. I, I think the difference, though, with Drew – so far, and I feel it as though in the playoffs you could trust him more. With Bledsoe, when he got that extension, we had already seen two postseasons where he completely crashed and burned. So it's a little bit tougher to take when you've already seen two postseasons and you still decide, yes, we're going to do it. Granted, it was at a much lower rate than I think most people would have expected. And that was a lot of that was something that we had said, you know, the contract wasn't as bad as we expected and compared to some of the other point guards that had gotten contracts in the summer, like Terry Rozier, mm-hmm. a prime example, it looked better. It just wasn't the best option. And then when you include another player who also was eligible for free agency, it makes things a little bit tougher. I, I think though with Drew Holiday, his game is so in control that it's like we were saying, the athleticism, while it might diminish a little bit, it's not going to diminish to the point where he still can't make he's still going to make the right decisions. He's still going to pick and choose when to attack, when his moments are. And that's something that's going to be huge. And I think as we've seen, he's probably been the second best buck in the last month. Giannis has been first. Giannis has been on a crazy tear. But Drew has quietly become that second best buck that is on the roster. And this is what you pay to have essentially your second best player in today's NBA market. It would have to be if he if he somehow like it would have to be one of the most epic collapses of all time. And what luck for this franchise if we go from Eric Bledsoe, perennial, like just playoff no show at a minimum, to Drew Holiday, like, oh this feels pretty good. We pay him even more money and he's also a no show. I can't I don't want to live on a timeline where that's a possibility. So I'm just gonna hope that he's better than that. Now to be fair to everybody, everybody's gonna be like, all he has is that series against Portland. Which is true. There's not you like know how a, good he was though. Yeah, I know, I know. But if if people and so here's another point of um this is one of those um, double-edged. So when the Bucks gave Eric that contract, like I said, we had two off seasons, you know, like maybe he'll work it out again. <laughs> maybe, maybe he'll work it out for the third season. So we had experience with that. Um, the issue with trying to evaluate Drew both before he became a Buck and now is I wasn't watching any sort of Pelicans game. I didn't even really watch like that series against the Trailblazers, uh, you know. So I'm not going to sit here and be like, "Oh, he he's a guaranteed this, a guaranteed that." Um, I think within the system, what he's shown so far, it seems more replicable than what Eric did in particular. Um, and in addition to that, it's also not simply on. I think with the Bucks of the past three seasons, it was so much of we got to the playoffs as like, okay, Giannis is going to try and carry us. Chris is going to try and carry us. And like, Eric, if you're there, that'd be great. Um, it feels like they're, I don't know if I would say that there's more of a supporting cast, but this team feels more, slightly more balanced, uh, in my opinion, um, between the starters and the bench. And you're not going to ride the bench all that much, but. Um, I, I think the circumstances are so different and the quality of play and the style of play is so different that I'm not too worried. It is a fair concern. 
Um, if somebody goes and says, we don't have a ton of sample size, it was a really good sample, what we got, but we don't have a ton. And that was a couple of years ago. Um, but I, I, I refuse to live in a timeline where the Bucks whiff this badly, not once, but twice in a row. I can't stand, I can't even fathom that. So I'm not going to talk about it any further. <laughs> okay, that's fair. I'm sorry I brought it up. Um, <laughs> I mean, I do think he'll be totally fine in the playoffs, and he'll, I, I, like you said, in the playoff playoff hierarchy. Which no, no offense to Giannis, Giannis is awesome, obviously, but in the series that the Bucks have lost, he hasn't been the Giannis we need him to be. And Chris has has we've seen him, you know, occasionally struggle with that too. And when that would happen, the Bucks' third option was like Brook Lopez, I guess. Nicole, Nicole, Nicola Miritich coming in Nicola on the yeah, let's as go. Well. <laughs> so, you know, yeah, yeah so. so Holiday, holiday in that sort of third slot, you obviously feel significantly better about if if one of those top two guys are having an off night, then Drew will hopefully be able to carry over them, which is which was sort of the thesis behind the deal in the first place. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't have any more on that. <laughs> well, okay, so I'm I'm cap dumb. There are a lot of people a lot of people who are smarter about the cap stuff than me. So very clearly, with the Bucks making this deal, it's pretty much inevitable that they'll go into the luxury tax, which is which is fine. They seem to be planning for no. I don't like that side. <laughs> There's three guys making so much money, um, so it, it's essentially inevitable at this point. If the owners somehow duck it next year, then I don't know what to tell no, you. No, no, no. If they duck it, I I will say this right now. There is some accounting malpractice going on you no 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 i will personally send one of my accountants to do an audit on this because there's no way you can duck the luxury tax there's too much money even the finest con mans would get caught it's not possible you you know that uh eden's and lazarus like literally eight g league scrubs i was gonna say they they called the league office like so how many two ways can you sign can you let me know how many two-way contracts can we sign that would be amazing it would be um something and to so obviously i think mitchell was explaining earlier that between all like the owed money and the fact that we're not gonna be able to offload all that they have no real choice which is fine if they did do it though at this point i would go from hate to respect if they pulled it off to pay those three guys that much money and still dodge the tax. I mean, like, salute to you guys. That's amazing stuff you guys are pulling off right now. Accounting malpractice. <laughs> yeah. So um, it, I think all three of us, this is the weakest point of the podcast is it, none of us have like a suit. Adam, you probably have the strongest grasp on like the CBA and, you know, none of us are like CBA nerds or wizards or anything. So I can't say definitively two, three years from now, what this means. I know it. we're going to be more constrained about um, what tools you have to fill out the roster, the amount of money you can offer out, the trades you can make, things like that. Um, the way that I'm going to look at it is, one, I'm too dumb to care. And two, we've seen so many teams where um, it really comes down to a willingness on ownership's part. Um, at some point, you do run out of assets, but we've seen a lot of teams where they get into the luxury tax, repeater tax, and they continue to roll it forward one way or the other. And yes, the team slowly but surely kind of becomes not as competitive because you're not able to acquire top talent. But so long as you are a contender and you're in the mix, that's all you're really hoping for. And so I'm not too concerned about it simply because uh, it's not my money. And we've seen other teams and 
I'm fairly confident in this front office, hopefully, and being able to scrape up enough to keep it moving forward to fill out the roster. Um, and on top of that as well, we have this these three guys. I think Drew has – Giannis is respected around the league. I think Drew is really respected around the league. And we have gotten some ring chasers. Uh, you don't want to make your entire roster ring chasers only, but I do believe we hopefully might have some more um, viability in free agency now that you say Drew is here for sure. Giannis is here for sure. Chris, you know, whatever you feel about Chris, he's here as well. Um, and they're guaranteed they're locked in. And maybe that opens up some horizons as well for building on the edges. So I, I'm not going to like freak out about it just because I'm sure they did the game planning of like, what does it look like rolling this forward with this kind of contract if we give it to Drew? I, I think they would have had to face that luxury tax regardless. The second Giannis signed that Supermax, you were going, you were on a one-way trip to the luxury tax. It was just a matter of how long can you put it off. It's kind of like, you, were, you need to get gas. At some point, you're going to have to pull over, go to a gas station, and fill up your tank. Otherwise, you're just going to be stalled at the side of the road. So maybe they trade Brooke Lopez and find a way to offload some. Like, instead of having one big contract, they can get a couple of players to equal the money. Maybe they pull off a sign and trade with someone like, say, Dante. When he goes into restricted free agency, you get a couple first-round – like, you get a first-round pick or some second-round picks fill out the roster that way like there are ways they can get out of it but when you made a decision to sign chris with the idea of you're going to give Giannis a super max extension and this was even before the drew holiday trade you knew you were going to have to do it now the other player when they decided not to do it that season that has been a sticking point but they had always said we're going to go into the tax when we feel like it's worth it and they didn't think that brogdon was worth it they think Drew is. So they're willing to do it. It's just depending on the player. I, I'm i not too concerned. If the NFL salary cap has showed me anything, it's you can make up all the contracts as you want and add bonuses and stuff like that. You find a way to make it work. It's just going to be the same way in the NBA. And you have your, you have your core. Now all these other moves. You can find, if you can continuously do well in finding the Bobby Portis type of guys the Bryn Forbes type of guys getting a Jeff Teague from the buyout market if you can continue getting two out of three every time you add those players and two of those three work you'll be okay if you get the Tory Craig's of the world and then if you ship them for cash you know stuff like that <laughs> you, get, you got cash at least <laughs> you get cash yeah yeah I haven't checked in on Craig lately I mean it'll be interesting watching the the team building aspects the years going forward Brooke will obviously be Brooke is obviously the one that everyone's talked about already, but given he is now the fourth highest salaried player on the team, he's going to be the kind of guy that could be interesting, like we said, if we want to ship him out for smaller parts. Um, The final year of his deal would be the first year of Dante's extension or a new deal when they decide to do that. So that could be interesting to see if they kind of make the, how they handle that chess move. But certainly the main, the main takeaway is they will be in the tax going forward. It's going to limit some of their ability to be able to sign free agents. You know, typically you would probably have to use the, I think Mitchell was explaining, you can use the taxpayer mid-level extension and not get hard capped. But if you use the big, big mid-level extension, which is like around 9 million, that's what they used, I believe, to sign DJ Augustine. Then that, you know, that constrains you a little more. I think they're clearly making moves toward being able to have some cheaper players this year, they obviously had the second round picks, which was seemed like kind of a requirement to be able to make sure they were under the under the tax. But 
at the very least, we haven't even seen selections in either round lately. So, you know, I could see them. I wonder if there's potential for them to, you know, in the future, if the owners are willing to buy second round picks, if that's possible, maybe they would be able to do that. I know it's very unlikely, but I would say then there could be a more of a possibility that they would keep picking players. And who knows with whether Wara or Merrill return into anything, but at the very least during the regular season, they do fill out some minutes and give you an opportunity to hopefully have someone on a cheap contract who fills it out into the future. We've missed the key thing. You can have Diakite and he's either going to turn into the greatest player on the face of the earth or because his value is so high, you train him for eight first round picks to the th- mm-hmm. Oklahoma City Thunder. Boom, problem solved. This is the thing that we have to respect about John Horse is he saw, and I don't know, how it feels like the Brook Lopez drop off is a little, uh, whatever, exaggerated by the fans, which is fine. But he saw the drop off coming. He's like, we're going to get Diakite. Brooks' ass is out of here next year. Diakite, you're getting that, you're upgrading from a two way into a minimum contract. Welcome to the squad, starting center. I love that type of stuff. That's the kind of 8D chess that earned John Horst that Executive of the Year uh, award a couple years ago. It's good stuff. <sighs> I don't know. <laughs> Whatever. I'm a Brooks stan, but that's fine. Um, so okay, so these are these are the core players. Mm-hmm. We have Drew, we have Chris, mm-hmm. we have Giannis. Temperature check. How are we feeling? That's our core. That's going to be your core most likely for the next couple years. How are we feeling about it? There's been lots of work over the years. We wanted to try and get the best players to surround Giannis. This is where we've basically ended up. How are we feeling? I feel good because I think what we've seen the last two years and even two and a half was the Giannis, Chris, Eric core had a ceiling at its best. When things break perfectly fine, you can make the finals. You can maybe make the finals at its worst. You get bombed out in the second round. We've seen the highs. We saw the low. We know exactly what would have been with drew. I think, like I said, it raises the floor so that competitive second round exit, whether it is to, the Sixers or Nets seems to be the floor making the finals and even winning. It seems to be the ceiling. At least we know there. And if that core can get to that spot, perfect. And obviously if it doesn't work, you're either going to have to ship out Brooke, ship out Dante, get rid of Mike Budenholzer. One of those three is going to have to happen. So at least with those three players, I think they complement each other pretty well. I think a lot of it is going to depend on can Giannis, adjust to when teams are able to solely focus on him and use this wall. Can Chris not go ice cold for even two games? I feel like Chris cannot go cold more than two games in the series. If Drew does what he's been doing, I, I feel good about the core. I think this is a core that when you put the the Bucks three against any other Eastern Conference top three other than Brooklyn, I think the Bucks three best players are better than everyone else's in the Eastern Conference. I feel pretty good as well um, for two reasons. One, um, you have a trio that complements each other in theory offensively. Um, you have two guys who can score from three levels. Um, one of them's like a really good slowdown facilitator, good at the slowdown game. Um, one of them's good at like tough mid rangers and really when he's in the flow and he can just jack up shots. And then you have a battering ram guy down in the middle um, that very few teams are equipped to stop. And so in theory, that tripod should be able to support each other, plus the other two guys out there, whoever they complement. So I feel pretty good there. Um, And I also feel 
pretty good just like so we're fans because there's like storylines to all this and we're invested in the team and i think um it it was always there was always i think for a lot of people it, it was sweet to see chris be able to you know develop from a second round guy that we it was kind of a throw in to the kind of guy he did made that all that money um if we could see this team bounce back you have the unlikely greek dude uh with the grainy youtube videos he becomes the best player in the world you have the tossing guy who becomes hit the second fiddle and then you have the you know the trials and tribulations the the falling coming short coming up short multiple times the pains of that you swap out you have another guy come in and then maybe you push that all the way um i think it would be really sweet to see this group and especially Giannis and chris um and i think having drew in particular helps like kyle said raise that ceiling and the horizon a possibility at least in the next year or two we'll see how things work out once the contracts start getting up and it becomes more difficult to build around but i feel pretty good both from an on the court perspective um it, it really you know i just got done saying like oh wait i have a small sample size with drew but ultimately it is going to come down to Giannis. still i mean drew is a great second guy to have but Giannis needs to raise his game and i think he knows that i'm sure he's quite aware of that um and we've seen Giannis beat a lot of odds before so why not believe he could do it now and i'll still you know stop and starts with him as long as Giannis is around i feel pretty good about the court because he's a pretty pretty good goddamn player for us interesting to think about the evolution of of point guards we, we've had this this point forward in Giannis who we've had for years trying to figure out okay who is the point guard that you need at behind him Michael Carter Williams turns out no he was no dice the answer. no dice uh, Matthew Matthew Delvadova he was not the answer either um Eric Bledsoe. he's really not the answer yeah <laughs> he was the Double worst league. answer out of all the other answers <laughs> And so we've landed. We've landed on Drew, and and it's interesting to think though about this. This was the question though for so long. It's like, okay, wow. What about the benefits of not having to have, uh, of having a forward like Giannis? You don't have to have a, a point guard who who directs the offense. And now I do feel like we've sort of landed on a point guard who is the closest to a point guard who can actually direct the offense without feeling like he needs to be that point guard. Yeah. Um, so it, it does feel like we've sort of come full circle around being like. Okay, maybe you do need someone who could be a steward out there with the ball, especially at times when when maybe Giannis doesn't have to. Well, and because Giannis, when we first got him and all that potential, it was like, oh my God, this dude's Greek Magic Johnson. And everybody, and and to be fair, there was like, um, unfortunately for us, Jason Kidd also thought he was like, this has some potential here. And so we gave that some run for a while. And I think it was worthwhile to try it because he has already done so much growth. It's like, maybe, maybe he could do it. And now we're at a point now where I think it's okay to say Giannis needs to specialize and he's very special and very good at what he specializes at. And there's no problem with saying maybe being the point forward, he can do that on occasion, but that's not how how he's most effective. And so let's look for and slightly adjust our image of what the best point guard next to him is away from like, I mean, maybe the, the only other iteration we're missing is like pure score sharpshooter type like a dame or a steph curry but there's only like two or three of those guys in the league and they're kind of tough to get so i don't uh, fault us for that so this might be the next half step next to that and that might be all we need and so it makes sense that we've evolved the point guards especially around what Giannis has been as Giannis is specialized and focused in on what he does best over time um and you know i can't blame the front office for that they 
as he keeps developing, he's like, oh, maybe he could do it. Maybe he just needs this kind of guy. Maybe we'll just lessen his usage a little bit here. The Matthew Del Vadova one, I'm still a little... I remember when that came out. That was like Telegraph for weeks, too. Like, they're going for Delhi. I was like, we're doing what? Why are we doing that? <laughs> Wasn't that like in 2016, too, when everybody... Yep, was that like, was the 2016 when every mediocre player yes. got paid. Yes, and we were like... That we're, was we're, what scared me. Yeah. yeah it was yeah, like, was, oh, uh, we're going for Delhi. Cool. How much are we... That much? Shit. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I think um, it, it makes sense why we swapped him out, and I think at this point, given what we've seen, Drew is probably the best iteration we got uh, of all those different point guards, and hopefully, it works out for us in the postseason in particular. Drew Holiday, Buck for Life. I thought that was a weird comment because he's so Buck for Life. There's like two players right now this roster that could. <laughs> <laughs> actually say buck for life yeah. Giannis and Chris I feel like those are the only two like everyone else is like you no like I was like didn't you spend like four enough. seasons in Philadelphia and another like four or five in New Orleans or what do you mean you've been here for like a cup of coffee maybe dude <laughs> I appreciate the sentiment I mean that's that's nice to say but it felt like a little over the top I'm like I don't I'm not even a buck for life dude what are you talking about <laughs> Yeah, it's good stuff. That's all right. That's the kind of mentality I I want, I guess. And if he wins a title, he is a buck for life. I'll claim that guy for forever. He'll be he'll be my guy forever. Yeah, that's true. That's true. I, I don't know any other any other thoughts on the on the holiday deal. No, I, I I'm I'm glad everything worked out, and what a reckless trade that worked out for the Bucks. <laughs> I, it would have been disaster. It would have been absolutely terrible, though. It, it, like on the one percent chance that things did go terrible, it was. I, I would a be in a pretty dark trade. place. It was yeah. <laughs> risky. I will say it's one of the riskier trades that has ever happened. It was word, not yeah. reckless because reckless would indicate we all know this isn't going to work out. Like this player isn't good. It's like trading for like a Stephen Jackson. Like, well, hopefully Stephen he'll come here. He'll love Milwaukee and he'll choose choose to say like that. It's not that kind of situation. Um, it's like trading your best player at the time for Wash Gary Payton. That's reckless. For example, um, my my only last thought is I've seen a lot of people like either uh, slamming people for having like bad Drew takes when we traded him for the riskiness of the trade or. People now being like, wow, that's a lot of money outside of like Bucks fandom being like, that's a lot of money for Drew. Um, obviously, the national media folks aren't probably listening to us, but I, I would give people a, a bit of um, some slack because, like I said before, I wasn't watching a lot of Pelicans games. I, I knew that Drew Holiday had a good reputation. I knew that he was well regarded around the league, but I didn't know what his play style was and how it would mesh here. And so now that we, we watch Bucks games, Nobody else watches Bucks games. Who do you know in your life that watches Bucks games willingly? I mean, we're all Bucks fans, so that's, that's a pretty small pool. But I don't know anybody else. I don't really rarely hear except for a couple of media folks. And so all they probably see is like a couple of highlights. He looks good in the highlights, but you see a couple of highlights and you see his box score numbers and they're good, but they people would see like, oh, that's probably not like max money great. Um, don't worry about it. The commentary from outside what matters most is he works within our system he's continuing to get better within our system um, and it looks promising that he's going to be able to step up and be the cool calm and collected guy that we have needed the past three seasons now um, and that's what matters most at the end of the day that i wouldn't worry too much about the commentary they'll find out they'll find out in the second third round or finals eastern conference finals they'll find out what it looks like why we paid him all that money 
It's a good point. He'll he'll have his time in the sun when the Bucks make it to the second round. There's far few players that people have to focus on. So Holiday will get some love. Fantastic to have him as a Buck for life. Uh, and so we're not going to talk about the week, last week's games very much, but I'll, I'll let Kyle just sum them up really quickly. All right. So we have the Clippers game where the first quarter, everything went well for the Bucks. They hit all their shots. The Clippers didn't make anything. It was a perfect quarter. And then reality and mean regression happened, and then the Bucks decided to play zone in the third quarter. It just didn't work out, and then Luke Kennard played really well. Bucks lost. It was unfortunate. Whatever. Move on. The Bucks beat the Lakers, who didn't have LeBron in AD. They did what they were supposed to. We move on. Friday, they played the Portland Trailblazers. They, everyone not named Dame Lillard was terrible on the Blazers, and Giannis had 47 points. He could have gotten 50 easily if he had played the whole if he had played more minutes it was a great performance from Giannis and if you haven't watched the highlights just it's just him getting to the rim at will and no one can stop him it's great and then they played the Kings and that game sucked but they won and Drew Holiday was really really good so they've won three or four it's been pretty nice I if you're gonna watch any of those games for some godforsaken reason watch the Trailblazers one because the other three games they were not fun to watch I would agree that the 10 o'clock tips, East Coast, really stink, got to be honest, and it really stunk for the Clippers game, which got worse and worse as the night went on. But that's okay. Oh, go ahead, Riley. I have. So this is unrelated. I didn't watch the games at all, so I have no commentary on that. Thank you, Kyle. That's I, That felt correct from what I was reading uh, after in the aftermath. I do have to say, tough tough week for you to say I didn't watch the games after you just said, who watches Bucks games? We, <laughs> we do. Look, there's a line. Like, there's, we are adults. We have full-time jobs. Mm-hmm. We're not no, going it's to spend true. it it's true. willingly watch games that start at 9 p.m. I, I love the Bucks. I don't love them that much anymore. Challenging <laughs> that's me. not true. I prior, I made priorities. If you're challenging my Bucks fandom, I'll go get my Richard Jefferson jersey right now, okay, bro. <laughs> Um, so unrelated to the games, I was just thinking about like, so this is stupid because it's Bucks Twitter stuff, but people bringing up like old takes from like the night of the Drew trade. I remember like everybody's crazy takes then. And then like, <laughs> you remember the roller coaster of, they had the Drew t- trade. It was like, oh my God, we're screwed. And then like the next day or like six hours later, it was like, oh, they got bogged down too. And everyone was like, we're the greatest team that's ever been assembled. So it was, I just love, I love our fan base. Never changed, probably be a little less toxic and uh, all sorts of problematic things, but the roller coaster is what it's all about. So I just wanted to bring up those good memories from when we traded for Drew. It was, it was a beautiful thing that night. That was a wild night. It happened late, too. It was like was 1 really a.m. 1 a.m. Central, and they were like, you're getting bogged. Well, well yeah, because the Drew was announced at like Hashtag Wojbomb. Yeah, it was super. Yeah, the Drew trade. I was just sitting there like, do, 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 do. And then the Drew trade came along, and then Wojbomb blew it all up. So anyways, I good I wanted good to go to bed, and then Woj got my hopes up. <laughs> what a bomb. Yeah. Me too. All right, let's make our predictions for the week. Fellas, oh, we got right. <laughs> yeah. more games. Sorry, guys. We yeah. have Hey, well, there's only one last ten o'clock tip. Uh, I'm sorry, I keep doing East Coast. There's only one last nine o'clock tip left. So that's good for everyone. All right, Tuesday away at the Golden State Warriors. On Thursday at the Dallas Mavericks. On Friday they return home to face the Charlotte Hornets. What are you thinking, Kyle? What's your prediction for the week? I'll say two and one. They'll beat the Warriors. They're going to win. I don't know which of the Mavericks and Hornets games because I don't know if they're going to 
load manage and let Giannis sit. I feel as though the Mavericks have been one of the teams that have annoyingly given Milwaukee fits. So I'll say they'll lose to the Mavericks, but beat the Hornets. Uh, I'm going to echo Kyle. Um, Luca's going to have like a 50 point, 25 assist game, because that's what happens every time we, we play the Mavericks. Uh, he does that to a lot of people, but um, he's going to do that to us again. And for the Hornets game, you know, LaMelo rest up, get better. Uh, hope you feel better, but he's not going to also put up a 50 point, 25 assist game like he did the last time we played the Hornets. So I'm going to hope that goes in our favor. And I agree a two and one week feels uh, about right. Yeah, me too. I feel like we always struggle against the Mavericks. I don't really want to lose to them, but I think we probably will. So two and one, I think the Hornets are missing a ton of people. Mm -hmm. I think Gordon Hayward might be be out too. So I don't know. We'll see what Cody Zeller can do and that kind of stuff. Um, (laughs) But anyway, uh, yeah, two and one. All right. Well, that'll do it for this week. We just wanted to come together on Easter and hope everyone had a great holiday and uh, no pun intended. And um, <laughs> make sure to go to brewhoop.com, share the podcast with your friends, subscribe, review it if you can. We'd really appreciate it. And we'll talk to you again soon. <laughs>